0: You need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. Uh, the price for a single semester is crazy affordable for anyone, so check out the links in the description and use promo code REMNANT to get 10% off Kairos Classrooms. Check out Kairos Classrooms today. Discount code R-E-M-N-A-N-T REMNANT to get 10% off your semester. Hey, guys, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Remnant Radio. We're talking about the Kansas City Profits with Sam Storms here at I hop, So if you hear music in the background, that's what's going on. If you think, "Hey, this studio looks different," that's why it does. They like slap your microphone, Sam. I all right, all uh, right. But today we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Daniel nine context. This this prophetic word that God speaks to uh, Mike Bickle as he's reading Daniel nine. Can you unpack this story yeah. for us? You are watching The Remnant Radio, a crowdfunded show where we interview pastors, teachers, historians, and theologians from different churches and denominations. My name is Joshua Lewis, and this is my co-host, Michael Roundtree. Together, we want to help you break outside of your theological echo chambers. If you're interested in learning about history, theology, or the gifts of the Spirit, this is the show for you. So,
1: just let's uh, set this in a historical time frame. Um, it was March 21st when we talked about in the previous episode when... Bob Jones had that incredible, revelatory insight into uh, the very words that Mike Bickle had spoken to his dad about his commitment to take care of his brother. So we're about four weeks later. It's now uh, April 13th, 1983. It's about five months after Mike had established the church. And he heard what he would call the internal audible voice of the Lord. I've heard that. Mm-hmm. I've never heard the audible voice of Lord. Um, somebody says, "We'll just open the Bible and read it out loud. And you there have, you well, there you go. <laughs> um, Mike calls it. The-
2: hey, could you pause on it? Just to explain that for our viewers really quick, because there's some people who are skeptical, like internal audible voice. Yeah. Yeah, that just means not audible. Like, w- what do we mean by this? Is there any? Yeah,
1: the internal audible voice, at least in terms of what I have experienced, is I actually hear a voice in my mind, in my head. I,
2: I can. You hear words and syllables. I hear
1: words. I hear a voice. It's not one that you all would be able to hear. Nobody else could. But it's very clean. I mean, you can hear the intonation. You can hear the enunciation of the words. Um, it's shocking, and it's so vivid that there's no question in your mind. I haven't just made that up. I'm not speaking to myself silently. And for people who've never had that experience, I understand why you think it sounds crazy. I agree. It does sound crazy, but I almost said God is crazy. Uh, by our standards, he's weird, right? He does strange things. I will to say that reverently, of course. So, yeah, internal audible voice. Mike hears this in his heart and his mind. It was very vivid, and I've got it written down. This is exactly what he heard. Um, the Lord spoke to him. He said, um, basically, he directed his attention to Daniel chapter 9. So Mike opens his Bible. He's reading Daniel chapter 9. Remember the story of how Daniel's praying for the end of the Babylonian captivity and how Daniel was fasting and he was seeking God's favor on behalf of the people of Israel. And the Lord is impressing on Mike, you and the people in Kansas City are to do likewise. You are to fast and you are to pray because there's a sense in which, now please, people don't misunderstand. Mike is not saying that Daniel 9 was written to him. (laughs) <laughs> not saying that the, 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 word
2: Gabriel had a message about Mike Bickle. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> what,
1: what the Lord was saying that Mike would confirm is that the Lord is saying in the manner of Daniel nine, just as Daniel was praying for the people of Israel to be released from captivity, the church in Kansas city is in a, in some sense in captivity and you are to call a fast and you are to pray for the outpouring of the spirit. So again, we want to be careful that we, um, you know, Mike is a very careful biblical scholar. And uh, he would never say, "Yeah, know, that verse was written to me. No, they're written for us, but they're not necessarily all written to us. And the word that came to Mike was, and I'm quoting here, this people talking about Kansas city in the heart of this nation will be like Daniel. There will be 500 people in this city who will rise up before me as a corporate Daniel to pray for deliverance of this nation for it is in bondage, just like Israel was. So that was overwhelming to Mike. And so, um, he, he said, I'm supposed to call a citywide corporate fast and prayer. And he said, but nobody knows me here. Isn't I, Mike's been in the, in the city for five months. So he said, I have to have confirmation. I have to know if this was God actually, and not me just speaking to myself in my head. So he calls Bob Jones. He said, Bob, I need to come over. Bob said, I've been waiting for your call. I knew it. I've seen it. That's the way Bob did it. Mike didn't reveal a word to him. So in order to make sure Mike takes two men from his church, I won't mention their names. I've got them right here in front of me. And he said, "Guys, I want you I want to tell you exactly what happened to me this morning." And he told them exactly, "Don't say a word when we get there. I want you all to bear witness to whether or not Bob actually is confirming this." So they walk into the house and the first thing Bob says is, "I saw him." Mike says, who did you see? You know who I saw. No. Who did you see, Bob? Bob said, I saw the angel Gabriel. He visited me early this morning. He said, give the young man Daniel 9 and he will understand. And then Bob proceeded to explain that God had called Mike to call a 21-day fast and that 500 people in the city would respond to it. The very things that okay. Mike. So,
2: so-, so Daniel has, oh, go ahead. No, no, please. <laughs> Daniel <laughs> has Gabriel appear to him. Yeah. Bob Jones has Gabriel appear to him. him. Okay. So help help us understand, like, I mean, <laughs> what, what, what makes this? you think I can help you understand that? I don't I understand mean, it. Does, does Gabriel still visit people, Sam? Yeah.
1: In fact, I think the single most powerful prophetic event that happened in Kansas City involves an appearance of Michael to the man we mentioned earlier Augustine Alcala but that's down the road so people have to come back for that
0: Keep one. Keep tuning in guys. Oh man. So well, yes okay. Gabriel uh, yeah why so Gabriel, wouldn't he? Yeah. Was he wearing wrestling tights? I don't know if you've seen <laughs> that. Okay no, that is that, a, That's a, a that's, reference that's, to, that's a deep
2: quote from another another episode of Rubner Radio. Okay you, you guys just have to subscribe and, and then you'll get our inside jokes. Okay so Gabriel's message was give them young man Daniel nine and he underst- he'll understand. Right. And Bickle understood.
1: My, yeah, Mike. Mike just said, "Unbelievable!" This. I. I don't know. I don't even know how to process this. And the two men that were there um, confirmed the same thing. They, Free cell phone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They. They. They didn't know anything. Mike didn't tell them what had happened until they're
2: driving to Bob's house in his car.
1: So Bob then says, "No
2: carrier pigeon. No this, text." Uh, so <laughs> this Bob, is, this is the most nuts part. Of everything so far that <laughs> I've heard. Like this is like Joseph interpreting. It's getting better. This Just, is getting stupid. Like good. It's more like Daniel All right. Here, here it mean, comes. Stupid can mean good.
1: Bob says, yeah. in order to confirm that I really did hear from the Lord through Gabriel about what you believe he told you.
0: As if that wasn't enough.
1: He said, <laughs> Bob, now remember, I want to get the dates right. I want everybody to understand this. This is on April uh, 13th. Uh, no, this will be April 14th, the next day. Bob says to Mike, and in the presence of those two guys, he said, God is going to send a comet in the heavens that has not yet been predicted by scientists, and it will prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that this time of prayer and fasting is endorsed by God, and it's his confirmation that he will eventually bring revival to this city and to the country. So... You know, pause here. Everybody needs to just, let's get everybody on board, understand what is happening. Regardless of what you think about prophetic ministry, Bob isn't interpreting somebody's dream. He's not telling them, oh, I had a dream about a comet. No, he is giving a predictive word about a comet that's going to appear in the heavens in conjunction with this 21-day fast that had, had not yet been seen or known by scientists. And it's going to confirm the promise of God to bring revival to this burgeoning young movement uh, that is gathered for 21 days of prayer and fasting. So, um, by the way, the, the they called it the Solemn Assembly based on uh, Joel chapter 2. Now, people say, all right, hold on a minute, Sam. <laughs> what, if, what if Bob Jones had learned about this comet before Mike came to him on April 14th. And he just passed off this information as if it were a prophetic revelation from God. I understand that. I understand why people would ask that question. Here's the problem. The comet wasn't discovered for another 11 days. It wasn't discovered until April 25th. Bob gave the prediction, the prophecy to Mike on April 14th the comet wasn't discovered until April 25th. Now, if people are saying, how do you know all this? Um, I actually did a great deal of research. Uh, there's actually been a book written about this comet. It's called the Iras, I-R-A-S, Rocky Alcock comet.
0: Oh, it just rolls off the wow. tongue.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you'll know. Here's the reason for the name. It was discovered on April 25th by the Infrared Astronomical Satellite. That's why it's called I-R-A-S, Infrared Astronomical. Uh, satellite, and it was confirmed independently by two amateur astronomers a man named Genichi Araki in Japan and another named GED Alcock in England and they saw it with binoculars on April 25th now again nobody had seen this, no scientific prediction, nobody had any idea this was coming you, I, I read the documentation you can do it for yourself if you want to alright, so Mike calls the fast to begin on May 7th. So again, Bob prophesies on April 14th. Comet's going to come, unpredicted by scientists. The comet is discovered. And real
2: the, quick, did did he give a timing for the comet or did he just say it would be discovered?
1: He said it would be discovered and it would confirm the, 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 the revelation right. to Mike of the purpose but of the almost fast. Almost
2: implicitly, it would be discovered before the prayer meeting. Yes. Because it doesn't work as a confirmation if it comes 10 years later. Right.
1: Okay. So... May 7th arrives. It's the first day of the fast. Everybody's gathered together. Bob Jones walks in, and I think I've still got it in my files, a copy of the newspaper of that that morning, the Independence Missouri Examiner, headline, Comets Passed to Give Close View. And then it says this, Scientists will have a rare chance next week to study a recently discovered comet that is coming within the extremely close range of 3 million miles. Dr. Gary Neugebauer, principal U.S. investigator on the International Infrared Astronomical Satellite Project said, quote, it was sheer good luck we happened to be looking where the comet was passing. Um, There was a a book written about the Hale-Bopp comet, you all may remember that, that was visible for several weeks in March of 1996, and the man who wrote it um, talks about the suddenness of this comet's appearance. It shocked and surprised scientists everywhere. So here it is on the first day of the fast May 7th the newspaper article headlines comet unpredicted by scientists recently discovered precisely in fulfillment of bobs
2: so the ar- prophetic the word. newspaper article headline is for May 7th yes the day of that the
1: day the, the day the prayer and fasting the solemn assembly a- began and
2: this comet i understand it it came maybe the second closest to earth of any comet it, it seemed like a it wasn't a large comet, it was it, it came it was closer to
1: Earth than any comet in over 200 years, and it to this day remains the second close in, uh, closest encounter in history. One called Lexell's Comet in 1770 came within one 1.5 million miles of Earth. This was the closest, the second closest that had ever come. It significant. A significant yeah. comet.
0: When, let, let's say God speaks to me about something. Should I be looking for... For the kind of confirmation that Mike, what like should I, I, should, need, I get, should I get two people in the car? I need I comments get in Gabriel box. on this one. If <laughs> you like, toss toss your phones in this lockbox you know, and then we drive and tell the story on the way. I actually I, didn't tell them a story on the way here of a dream I had because I'm waiting to see if God will confirm. It. Oh, like, I actually have done this this week. Did you put
1: out a fleece?
0: Uh, no, I just, <laughs> just want to confirm. Yeah. Uh, I don't
1: I don't know that there's anything in scripture that would say it's wrong to ask God for a confirming sign mm-hmm. of some sort. Um, I, I don't know that I've done that. I may have done it once or twice. Well, but
2: maybe, and maybe, I mean, I, I can imagine a skeptic saying, well, the Pharisees asked for a sign, and Jesus says, wicked and adulterous generation. Sure. Could you differentiate between that kind of sign request and maybe what Gideon requests?
1: Sure. Remember, who's demanding this of Jesus? These are the enemies of Christ who denied his Messianic identity. Um, they were religious leaders who wanted Jesus to perform some circus trick. They said, basically saying, jump through this prophetic hoop, give us a sign. And then maybe we'll believe you. They had no intention of believing Jesus. They're trying to test him. They're trying to trip him up. That is a world of difference between Christians who want nothing more than the glory of Christ to be exalted, coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, would you act providentially and powerfully and supernaturally to confirm this word or to intervene in our lives in some way, maybe with a healing or whatever? Um, And our our ultimate motivation is we want these people to be blessed and we want Jesus to be lifted up and exalted. That is a world of difference between the sinister, deceptive motivation of unbelievers Mm -hmm. who are just trying to, to make Jesus do something that they could then use against him.
2: So, so one is the, the posture of the Pharisees. They're trying not to believe. And Gideon, you know, who asks for a fleece, asks for a sign, he's kind of trying to believe. Yeah. And, and these would be two very different pictures. Now, and I want to, and maybe this is how we close the episode, Josh, unless you have some more. But um, I want to just touch on, for our viewers who are out there and they're saying, okay, comment, Gabriel, like, This is crazy stuff. Of course, this is why we're doing a series on the Kansas City Prophets. There's some crazy stuff. But they might be thinking, I don't see any of that today. Does this categorize as revival? And how would you define revival? Oh, yeah.
1: Wow, that is a big question. One of the things I say to people all the time who ask that question the first thing you need to understand is very rarely are any two revivals the same. Mm -hmm. Now, there are some common elements, obviously. But they they're so different in the way, I mean, the the take for example the first Great Awakening under Jonathan Edwards, radically different from the Second Great Awakening under Charles Finney, radically different from uh, the layman's revival in the middle of the nineteenth century, radically different from what happened in Wales uh, with um, singing revival. <laughs> yeah, with Evan Roberts. Evan Roberts. Yeah. Um, Radically different from what happening on the other side of the globe at Azusa Street, almost at the same time as the Welsh Revival, Azusa Street's breaking out. Radically different from what happened in um, the Jesus Movement, the, the early 1970s. Different from what happened in Toronto, and we can talk about that later if we want to. Yeah, we will. Different from what happened in Brownsville. Toronto and Brownsville, totally different atmosphere, different focus. Uh, you know, Toronto was all about experiencing the intimacy of the Lord, being refreshed by the love of God. Brownsville was about repentance and, uh, and, and, and dealing holiness. with your sin and holiness of life and committing yours. All revivals are different. So to try to peg down characteristics, I would say, though, that there are certain common features in all of them. Number one, they all seek to be biblically based. None of them, we would dismiss them out of hand if they came out and said, oh, it's revival, and the Spirit just said Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. I don't think that's a revival. You know, they're, they're, they're consistent with scripture. Number two, Christ is exalted. Number three, they do call for holiness of life. Number four, there are salvations. People come to Christ. Prodigals are restored. There is typically an outpouring of signs and wonders at an ex, in an extraordinary way. The Bible is loved. People fall in love with the Scriptures. They fall in love with the church. All of the things that we consider to be kind of routine, mundane things in the New Testament suddenly are intensified and elevated. I think maybe the best characteristic of revival that I know is one that Jonathan Edwards, um, that Jonathan Edwards referred to. Um, he said what we saw typically was that things that would ordinarily take us six months to a year to achieve happen in six days. So the characteristic feature of a revival is acceleration and intensification. The normal things, it's not that God does anything abnormal or anything that he doesn't do in scripture, but the things that are there are suddenly deeply intensified and accelerated. So Edwards, Edwards would say we went for over a year and a half where we almost never had to uh, give money to anybody to see a physician. The health of the entire community was massively transformed. Um, so there's this element of acceleration and intensification of just the routine things that we experience on a daily basis.
2: Wow, I have never read that quote from Edwards. That introduces a whole another topic I'd love to discuss someday about health and healing, but oh. uh, save it. For and Edwards time. was a cessationist. Yes. <laughs> yeah, give me more cessationists like Spurgeon and
0: Edwards. Uh, so when when we talk about uh, my last question, probably will be the Daniel Nine you mentioned at the top of the show that he didn't believe that Daniel 9 was about Kansas City no. meeting, right? Uh, and I don't think any of us believe that as well, but there does seem to be a trend in the charismatic space where we'll read a Bible verse and we won't ask what did it mean for the immediate audience and find a way to convey that meaning to the people we're leading, right. uh, but it is a, what prophetically does this represent for me? God, give me a kind of novel interpretation of this and preach through that. How are those two things different?
1: Sure. Well, I'll, I'll go back. So what I shared in an earlier episode about Isaiah fifty eight eleven, and the word that Paul Cain gave to me, Isaiah 58 and 11 wasn't written to Sam Storms. <laughs> it was written to Israel talking about the kind of fast that God both disapproved of and approved of. But there are truths about the character of God and how he interacts with his people in that passage that apparently Paul saw as applicable to my life. Not in the sense like I can say, oh, I guess what Isaiah fifty-eight eleven was prophetic and it came to pass in nineteen ninety-three. No, that's not it at all. Same thing with Daniel nine. Um, there, there, there are principles about God's interaction with Daniel and the promises He made to Israel about bringing them out of captivity, and those principles can find re-embodiments, as it were, new expressions, new applications in subsequent life. I mean, that we do that all the time. I mean. What do we do, for example, with a uh, Paul's thorn in the flesh? Who in the heck knows what that was. I got an idea, but we're not going to go there. So if Paul had identified his thorn in the flesh, would we pay much attention to the passage? Probably not. Oh, that was him. I've never had that affliction or that problem. I think God left it deliberately unidentified. Why? Because there are principles. What my grace is sufficient for you in your weakness. Mm-hmm my power is enough to sustain you in the midst of this condition that you're facing. All of us can read that passage and see a principle that applies to our own experience in very legitimate ways, even though that's not what the text is explicitly talking about. It's talking about Paul and his problem, but there's principle, there are principles there that transcend time and culture and apply to us in our own experience. I think that's the thing that happened with Mike and Daniel Nine. It happened with me and Isaiah fifty-eight eleven. Um, you guys can probably give examples Would from your the own principle lives.
0: Principle be that like, um, if you humble yourself and pray, God restores. Like the the the, if my people who are called by my name yeah. humble themselves and pray is that like the principle that you're saying there that that it, it applies like. Jeremiah almost. If you, yeah, I'm
1: getting ready to really offend a lot of your listeners. Hey, you lay
0: into it, man. <laughs> I don't
1: think we can cite that passage uh, and apply it directly to the United States of America. I don't think God's in covenant with America. He was in covenant with Israel. He was talking about the land of Israel. He's talking about the fulfillment of the promises given in Deuteronomy sure. um, 28, specifically both the curses and the blessings. But is that passage relevant to uh, absolutely all Scripture?
0: Sure. I'm talking about I like Old that.
1: Testament. Is it relevant to us in that it tells us what does God value in his people? What does God honor when his people humble themselves and seek him and fast and repent and pray? Uh, Can we see God at work in our lives when we follow the pattern that he set for Israel? Absolutely.
0: And, and, And if I push it just one more for clarification, you've got, and when I talk about it, completely novel. I'm not looking for principles. Completely novel in that the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years and the young girl who's sick for 12 years. This is the old revival and the new revival and God's birthing a new thing. They both need a touch from Jesus. You know, the old revival can't produce anything because she's got a flow of blood. The other one can't enter into maturity because she's 12 years old. I mean, no one reads this this passage in the Gospels of Jesus healing the woman with the issue of blood and the younger Jairus daughter and think it's about revival. No one in the history of ever has ever done that. You know, there's no principle there. Somebody that's, did or you wouldn't have brought it up. Uh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, uh, at least three people in the history okay. of ever, you know, so but, but uh, is looking for something novel and not looking for a principle, really allegorizing, spiritualizing everything. We have to really be careful avoid that, that and be careful. Okay. Let me
1: give you, I don't know if this is an example, but I'll throw this in to kind of seal this episode. Sure. This was 1994. Paul Kane is at our conference in Kansas City. 2,000 people are present. And he stands up and at the very beginning. He said, the Lord impressed upon me deeply this morning in prayer. That you know the story in John chapter 4 of the the Samaritan woman at the well. And Jesus says, you've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. Paul said, there's a lady here today. And you have had five husbands. And you're living with a man right now whom you're not married and you know who you are, and the Lord wants to restore your life and bless you and bring the healing power of forgiveness if you'll come up later, and sure enough, she came up later. I don't know who I, I saw, and, of course, Paul relayed the whole thing. And Okay, was that incident in John 4 about that woman? No. No, we need to be careful there. That woman can't go back and say, God wrote about me in the Bible. <laughs> no, what he did was he wrote about a story of incredible prophetic revelation healing forgiveness she comes to faith in jesus messiah and that applied profoundly to her and a prophetic word brought the connection into her life
0: praise god
2: that's that's good and and what we're trying to do here is we're trying to bring we're telling the narrative of the prophetic history of uh of ihop and the kansas city prophets uh but in that, we we want to be able to respond to criticisms that have cropped up along the way, sure. and give an insider a chance to respond to those. And 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 they're not just criticisms uh, just toward the Kansas City prophets. They're really charis- uh, charismatic criticisms, criticisms toward all of us in one way or another. And so, uh, and so, we want to kind of bring everything to the light in the context of a narrative that happened. That's great.
0: Thank you so much for watching this episode of Remnant Radio. We hope you enjoyed that installment on the Kansas City Profits. More to come coming up in the future. Uh, If you want to watch former episodes that we've done, we've created an entire playlist on the Kansas City Profits here. Uh, Or if you want to watch the very next video uh, in this series, we've attached that link below this video. So hope you enjoy and we'll see you next week. Want to thank Kairos Classrooms for sponsoring this episode of Remnant Radio. And if you're out there,